0: I'm speechless. I'm getting so emotional. I can't even talk about it because it's just really great. Please
1: stand
0: clear of the door. Por favor, mantenganse alejado de la cuesta. Come on! It's showtime! That's the beach. They invented it. Beach. Papyrus. Welcome to Walt Disney's Carousel Podcast. Oh, you're in for a real treat and welcome to episode four of the Carousel of Podcast. Today, Cody and I are going to be talking about our tips and tricks to conquer four Disney parks in one day at Walt Disney World.
1: And my tips and tricks for surviving four parks in one day at Walt Disney World.
0: Yes, because that is very important. We can give you all the tips all day long, all that we want, but Cody, you're really here to help us out with how to actually... See it through to the end, so I think that's your expertise.
1: (laughs) But first, Andy, what do you think about starting off with some Disney news?
0: Oh yeah, let's do the news, let's do the news.
1: Okay, so first up, Andy, we talked about it last week, the new stores that are opening up at Disney Springs. Well, we now have concept art from WDW News Today, uh, photos of what the Coca-Cola store is going to look like. And it looks pretty interesting. I had uh, a lot of questions before just hearing about it, like it's gonna have Coke merchandise, but also a rooftop sort of beverage bar. And me uh, being the kind of guy I am, I think bar as in alcohol, I'm not really sure what to expect with the coca-cola bar what are your yeah,
0: thoughts yeah that was the question that i had like you know the the pictures and the articles that i've seen revealing some more information about the construction it all looks really good and it does say um a rooftop tasting bar you know on the rooftop that looks awesome to me and you know both of both of us really enjoy you know drinking in disney world and really anywhere. So I, yeah, I do wonder, is that like an actual bar or is it more just like you can buy Coke? Like that almost sounds silly to think that they would have this entire really awesome venue and they're only serving Coke. But at the same time, I can't imagine people like, would people just be going to the Coke store to use the bar? You know, like I can't wrap my head around the concept. So I don't really know what to expect with that. How...
1: How awesome would it be, Andy, if it's a bar that you can go and get a pint of Bebo? (laughs) Or how terrible would it be if you could go to this Coca-Cola bar and get a pint of the Beverly? Yeah,
0: so So for anyone who does not realize what Cody's referring to, in Epcot, um, there is Club Cool, which is my favorite favorite place in Epcot, not a joke. (laughs) You have the whole world showcase and yet my favorite place to be is Club Cool. So yeah, Club Cool in Epcot um, where you can go in and taste, have little tastings of Coca-Cola soft drink beverages um, from around the world. And Beverly is the drink from, I think it's Italy and it's supposedly very popular there, but it's um, infamous in Disney World for being the nastiest drink there. And then there's Bebo, which is my favorite. I don't remember where it's from. It might be the one from Brazil, um, but I just think it's delicious. I think delicious. it's actually, uh,
1: I don't think it's Brazil. I think it's, um, uh, how do you it? It? Heaven. It's from Heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's what I would, I would agree with that. So, yeah, no, if they were serving Bebo at this new Coke store, I would have a freak out because maybe that would it's, be so awesome.
1: Or maybe it's just a bar where you can get Jack and Cokes. I think yeah, that the, might be it.
0: I think the possibilities are really endless. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. really excited about the new Coke store coming. The concept art looks great. And I'm excited to hear more about what's going on with it.
1: So next up in Disney news, we have a new magic band. And this isn't just your normal red, orange, yellow, green, blue, pink, or gray. We now have, what color, Andy?
0: Purple.
1: We have a purple magic band. So all you weirdos wearing the reds, the pinks, no, 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 move over. We got purple. This is the biggest news story since a man walked on the moon, (laughs) since I don't know what. We have purple magic bands. The future is now, anything is possible. So strap on your jetpacks, let's go.
0: Previously, um, in the past couple months, you have been able to buy Purple Magic Bands in the parks or online. I think it's like $12.99 or something like that. But now um, the Purple Magic Bands are included in the rest of the line of colors that you can receive complimentary when you're an annual pass holder or a resort guest. So that's exciting. If you were really hankering for that purple, it's now available to everyone. Amen. Okay, our next story that we're going to talk about is the fact that Disney is reportedly surveying guests about a possible $15 nightly resort fee that would be used to cover previously complimentary items such as magic bands, extra ma- uh, extra magic hours, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think what's interesting about that is that, you know, it, it's termed as being complimentary items and services, but really... All of the complimentary things that you um, enjoy, whether you're visiting Disney for a day or going there on a vacation, it's not complimentary. I mean, you know, they say it that way, but it's really built into the price of a Disney vacation or trip. It's built into the price of your annual pass or, you know, whatever else kind of ticket package that you have. So... I, I find that slightly disturbing that they're considering tacking on it. I mean, $15 a night, it really isn't the worst fee that you could have to pay. But at the same time, it is nice to kind of think that you're already receiving it with the, um, you know, with the things that you're purchasing, whether it's a hotel rooms, vacation packages, that that type of thing. It's nice to think of that as being included already and then to be feed an additional fifteen dollars per night like that's that's just not cool so
1: yeah it kind of takes away from the quote-unquote magic if you're basically paying more for the same you know they're they're not giving you more incentive it's not like oh now you get unique magic bands that maybe you couldn't get like say if you're staying at the grand floridian hey if you pay these $15 nightly resort fees, you get special Grand Floridian Magic Bands or you get something else in addition to that. You know, it's... I don't know. They've been just increasing prices and not really giving, like, more benefits. I know, you know, we were annual pass holders and, you know, we paid a lot and didn't get too much in terms of benefits. And when I see stories like this, it... (laughs) It kind of, like I said, it just takes away from the magic if they're gonna start raising prices, and I don't see any more benefit from it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a pretty good segue into our next news segment as far as um, benefits and you know Disney taking and not not too much giving these days. Uh, I, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, premium parking that's in a testing phase at Disney right now. So what's going on with that, Cody?
1: So, yes, Walt Disney World is now apparently testing an upcharge premium parking at their theme parks. So, this is going to be a charge of $15 in addition to the regular $20 charge that people pay for parking. However, if you're an annual pass holder, you only have to pay the additional $15 since you're already being offered free parking with your pass. Um, And what this $15 guarantees you is a premium parking spot that's basically right at the front of the park. So you don't have to deal with walking miles and miles to get to the theme parks or having to get on one of the trams to get there. And I personally do not like this one bit.
0: Eh, I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: Really? You disagree with me.
0: Yeah, I think that I do disagree with you on this one.
1: Well, you know what that means, Andy. Disney Debates. So I understand how it might benefit people that don't want to walk or take a tram. You know, lazy people. But hear me out. They are now commandeering the Aladdin lot at Magic Kingdom for premium parkers. Before taking over the lot, I had a chance of possibly parking in the quote-unquote premium lot for free, but now I have zero chance since I'm not paying more money if I already have an annual status. I would prefer a first-come, first-served system where my good deeds of waking up early are freely rewarded than one where I pay for my benefits."
0: Okay, I see what you're saying, but... Here's my spiel. So, it, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. It's basically, you know, like valet parking anywhere else. It's an unnecessary but still optional upcharge that really only benefits people who were probably going to spend that somewhere else anyway. Um, and so, I think for a lot of, you know, the typical, the average, the normal person who's visiting, they're not going to take advantage of this and it's really not going to affect them. I, I mean, yes it is taking over You know, another parking lot and now people who are not paying for that service will be parking slightly farther out, but it's not enough to be really concerned. Um, I mean, here's, you know, what I kind of think is that it, they're doing it at Magic Kingdom and Epcot right now. Magic Kingdom is a hassle to get to anyway because you're parking at the Ticket and Transportation Center and then you're going to have to get on a boat Uh, you know, the ferry, a monorail, or a bus to then actually get to Magic Kingdom. So it's not like, you know, you were parking, you know, like Animal Kingdom, for example, where you could park front and center and be at the gate right there, and now you're going to be super far away. Like, Magic Kingdom is far away no matter where you park, whether you pay for the premium or not, it's not going to make a difference. So I just really don't think we should be making that big of a deal out of it. I, if Disney's going to, you know, raise prices somewhere, I would rather them raise prices in ways that affects, um, you know, in ways that don't affect the masses of regular people, like, you know, pass or ticket increases. So, I mean, it's just one lot. and So, Annie, I
1: see what you're saying, but it all brings me back to our previous news story. Disney is now not giving us anything in fact they're taking something away so I like I said I could have parked in the Aladdin lot before if I had woken up earlier but now they're taking that away but they're saying hey you can have it but it's gonna cost you so the Disney money-making machine is at it again trying to take something and make me pay for it
0: yeah I definitely think that nickel and diming people is a very annoying thing to do But, you know, something that we do have to keep in mind that a lot of people don't like to think about is Disney, the Disney Corporation, the Disney, you know, brand. It is a business. At the end of the day, all businesses everywhere are always doing what they can to get ahead and to make more money. And so I think people choose to forget that because and you know kind of choose to overlook that line of thinking because Disney's so much more personal to people. You know, it's not like I don't know any other big name company out there. Like this is a very personal connection that people have with this business and so they take it personally um when you know prices are raised or you know something else comes about. So I definitely see what you're saying like I get upset myself when I see that there's like oh just one another way to make money out of people like they're sucking all the souls out of us consumers but I mean we can't forget we are consumers and this is a business you're paying for a service and they're gonna do what they can if they're smart to get what they can out of it so that just you know it just gives us more of a challenge on how to be a smarter uh, more savvy vacationer and how to save more money So, I have an
1: excellent idea. Let's change the subject.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's jump right into our main topic of the day, mastering the art of four parks in one day.
1: And my subtopic of the day, how to survive mastering the art of the four park day.
0: Yeah, this is a topic that I was kind of excited to do. I really thought it was important to do because I know um, as... Annual pass holders for me and you. We were, I, I think, at a point, you know, probably about halfway through the year. We had taken multiple visits and we had been having a great time. But we were looking for new and different ways to um, just just find different things to do in the parks because we could go all day long every day of the year and it would be great. But it's really nice when you kind of have like little, you know, like a bucket list or challenges you want to complete just to kind of round out the experience. And the Four Parks One Day Challenge uh, was something that I definitely wanted to do. You and I never completed it together, Mm -hmm. but I did get to tackle that this past December when I went to Disney with a friend of mine. So today we're going to kind of talk about some general tips and tricks for how to accomplish this. And you're going to give your little insight on how to, you know, not just accomplish it but to survive and to thrive because I'm definitely the one that likes to go 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 and get it all done and be very accomplished and you're the one who is more like let's bring it down like let's yeah sometimes
1: sometimes you can you can wear me out uh, but <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna try to give my tips for anyone out there who has maybe a lovely girlfriend or friend or enemy <laughs> dragging them around and you know so... With my tips and tricks, I hope that you will have a, uh, I hope that you will not get burnt out as often as I did.
0: Right, so um, I guess we'll just go ahead and, and start off and I'll give a little background on how my experience went back in December when I went with my friend. So um, I was going with a friend who was not a pass holder and, and her, she, We had really been wanting to go to Disney all year together, and it just never really worked out. And then we finally were able to go for one day together um, in December, and she bought a park hopper. She bought a one-day pass, and so we were like, we're doing all four in one day. Like, this is happening. So, And we started off in Animal Kingdom, got there right when it opened so that we could hit Everest, like, I don't know, a solid four or five times before the line actually got past, you know, a ten-minute wait. So that's always nice. I know you and I like to do that when yeah, we go to. Yeah, especially and
1: especially with Everest, they have the single rider line. So even if it's a five-minute wait, it could be a one-minute wait if you do the single rider. <laughs> and it depends because sometimes I believe their single rider is not open. But yes. if it's open and there's a five-minute wait, you could say I'm not waiting even five minutes and getting that single rider. <laughs> Bam.
0: Yes, yeah, so yeah, so we started at Animal Kingdom. We knocked out Everest a few times. We did Dinosaur, which is one of my favorite rides at Animal Kingdom, and yes, we made our way over to Dinoland USA what, what? and did Prime, Primeval World, which again is one of my favorites. I'm kind of ashamed to say it because I do think that that area of Animal Kingdom is kind of like godforsaken land <laughs> but I don't know I just think Primeval World is a fun little ride so we spent a couple hours in Animal Kingdom knocking out some rides and just kind of having a good time there um, since we were doing four parks in one day and we were also driving there we were driving three hours to get there in the morning before like 8 30 and then we were driving home that night. So we didn't stay on property, so we did kind of have to work our day around that. Um, So a lot of times when we went into a park, we were there kind of to hit our favorite rides and to do some key things, but we didn't accomplish everything, obviously. So at Animal Kingdom, we didn't do like the safari or the Lion King show or anything signature like that. We really just did the rides that we wanted to do. So started at Animal Kingdom, then we moved on to Magic Kingdom, and we had fast passes already reserved um, to do Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, and I think hmm, maybe I think we did Pirates. Um, and then we ended up waiting in line for uh, Haunted Mansion just because we really wanted to do it and we didn't have a fast pass. Um, And then we got lucky with Splash Mountain to where the ride had shut down for a period of time And we walked over to see what the wait time was and it opened right as we walked up So we literally walked onto Splash Mountain and it was really hot that day and it was just a great little stroke of luck So that really made our um, few hours at Magic Kingdom like cherry on top Um, We did a few other things in Magic Kingdom. I think we did fill our magic and people mover obviously we did not do Carousel of Progress because my friend right. just wasn't into that, unfortunately. But I survived and it's all good. From Magic Kingdom, we then moved on to Epcot. And this is where we spent the least amount of time because it was starting to get later in the day. But we um, went to Epcot and we grabbed a, a late afternoon snack in Norway, which was such a great idea. We went there and got school bread and um we got one other thing i think it might have been one of those like almond cream puff like horn things do you know what i'm talking mm, about sounds, it's like sounds it's delicious. like uh, <laughs> i don't remember what it was called but that was what she ordered so um Yeah, so we got a snack at Epcot, which was really nice. It was right as the sun was setting, and so walking around the showcase really quickly was just like another relaxing moment of the day. We did Spaceship Earth, of course, and we tried um, for Test Track because obviously at that point in the day all of the fast passes were, you know, gone, and we tried to do um, Test Track single rider, but then the ride ended up going down anyway. So it was like down for technical difficulties, so we didn't even get to try it, but. That was Epcot, and then we ended the day over at Hollywood Studios. We did try to get um, any sort of fast pass that was left over, um, but there really wasn't anything left. We ended up waiting in Single Rider Line to do Rock and Roller Coaster, which was fine. But our real uh, goal we wanted to accomplish uh, by ending at Hollywood Studios was to end the night and spend an hour or so Taking in the beauty that is the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights. And we did it and it was glorious. It was not my first time seeing it. It was not her first time seeing it, I don't believe. But it was just still so nice to be there with one of my really good friends. And to know that we had a really great day together. Accomplished so much. And then we got to stand there and just take in the Christmas spirit. And uh, all the music and the lights. Like you really, I just have trouble putting it into words how great the osborne lights are yeah i can't wait Um, to see it next (sighs) year don't say that i was just about to say i'm gonna stop (laughs) my obsession right there because it's all irrelevant now the osborne lights will not be coming back ever again um so that was just a really nice really great day and a really nice way to end that experience and so that was my experience.
1: So, uh, um, would you say that this experience maybe taught you some tips and/or tricks for others okay. to enjoy a four park in one day experience as well?
0: Oh yes, I, I really think it it did. So, yeah, that was my experience, and a lot of it is not going to be um, relevant or useful to other people because. You know, for, the, the most glaring example is the Osborne Lights aspect. Um, we intentionally did a certain order of tackling the parks so that we would end at Hollywood Studios to see the lights. And since, you know, it's not Christmas time right now, and they're not even coming back even if it was Christmas time, that's not going to apply or be helpful to a lot of people. What we're going to move on to next is some general tips for, um, you know, some things that are good to know before trying to tackle this challenge Um, and then we'll go into a pretty solid but general plan of attack for people who might be interested in doing this but don't really know where to start so um, yeah let's just get started with our tips and tricks. So do you have anything you want to start off with Cody or you want me to just go into mine?
1: Sure I can give you one of my tips for surviving
0: Four parks in one okay. day,
1: yeah. Okay, tip number one: have your phone fully charged. You can't like be what? going it. You can't be going into four parks in one day with your phone at 36 percent. You need that bad boy at 100 <laughs> percent, maybe low battery mode if you have an iPhone, just to make sure that sucker will last you from dawn till dusk. Okay. Yeah,
0: and ex- external batteries are your friend. You really don't want to waste any vacation time sitting next to an outlet. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Uh, But like I said, if you put that uh, thing on uh, low battery mode and periodically pop it on airplane mode, um, you know, it's going to last you most likely throughout the day because you're going to be riding rides, you're going to be, you know, moving a lot. But so having your phone with you and charged will enable you to catch a breather from the parks every now and then. Especially when we're waiting in lines, you can get kind of like, Discouraged, You know, you're excited, you're moving fast, and then you have to slow down and be next to, you know, a lot of sweaty people and their fanny mm-hmm. packs. But uh, having your phone can take you out of that. Something that really helped Andy and I out was uh, an app called Heads Up. So even though you're waiting in line, you can play this really awesome game of charades right well, there in now, line.
0: Yeah, now uh, there is like a Disney version of Heads Up
1: exactly so you can actually stay in the magic but out you can get away from the actual monotony of standing in line or it doesn't even heads
0: up is great
1: so that's my first tip and andy if you would like to you can go into some of your tips for accomplishing four parks in one day
0: yeah so i have a couple i could kind of shoot off right now
1: Um, I think
0: (laughs) I think my first tip that I would offer is probably the most important one in my opinion you're not gonna say the most
1: important one for last Wow. all right no no
0: because it's so important that you need to know this going into the the, you know following discussion so it's very basic but the tip is to buy a ticket (laughs) No, to make and stick to a game plan. And you know, that's obviously kind of why we're talking about it in a podcast right now is because you need a plan. So let's talk about that. Here's the thing that, you know, is important to understand. Not every second of a day in the parks can be planned for, but a general yet detailed plan of attack can and will aid you in having a more exceptional experience. So sometimes changing up the plan due to unforeseen circumstances like ride closures, like I talked about before, when my friend and I went, um, we were at Epcot and we were planning on hopping on test track, doing, you know, knocking out single rider, being productive, but it was, you know, it was down. And so those types of things are unavoidable, but changing the plan due to these unforeseen circumstances is not the same thing as winging it. We. 10 out of 10, do not recommend winging it. Um, You know, in that type of situation, rather than sitting down for 30 minutes and saying, this is on the plan, we got to do it next, this is how it's happening, that can actually harm you in in being productive or by keeping that momentum. Um, So yeah, I definitely, in order to accomplish the four parks one day and not just accomplish it, but to have fun and to get a lot done and to have just a really great time with it, make a general yet detailed plan of attack and that will really get you on the right path to to making that happen Um, and one of the things that come with making that plan is being aware of extra magic hours so um, if you're not aware uh, i feel like most people are extra magic hours are the extra hours that are tacked onto the beginning and end of certain days um certain days where the parks are open earlier or longer they change literally every day so sometimes there will be extra magic hours on a certain park and sometimes there will be none and sometimes it's on certain parks but not all of them at the same time so you really have to um make sure you you're aware of what days those are happening and what times they are This is a perk that is offered to resort guests, to where if you're staying on property and let's say there's two extra magic hours at the end of a Magic Kingdom day. So like the park will be open until midnight to the public, but then the resort guests are open to stay there until 2 a.m. That's an example of extra magic hours. So if you're not staying on property, you really should avoid parks with morning extra magic hours. Um, that's really gonna, I find, hinder your, um, like, being successful and what you want to accomplish.
1: Yeah, I agree, because I know one of the things that we tend to do is try to get in as fast as we can, rush to the first ride that we really want to hit. But if there's extra magic hours, even though we might be the first people in the park to enter with the public, we're far from the first people to enter the park that day because there have already been two hours worth of... Disney resort guests filtering through those rides. So the line could already be, even though they were the first people, 30 minutes.
0: Exactly, so um, I mean, to an extent, it's important to avoid evening magic hours as well, but I find those extra hours to be slightly less important, slightly less, you know, effective on your experience. So definitely just focus on the morning ones primarily, but if you're able to, kind of work the system to where you, if you're staying off property, you don't encounter extra magic hours on either end of the day, that's, you know, the goal. Um, If you are staying on property, use them to your advantage. You know, (laughs) everything that we've said so far, reverse that because you want to take advantage of those extra magic hours because you, you have an edge. You're able to get in earlier, you're able to stay later and it limits the amount of people that can be there. Now, for evening, extra magic hours. People who are already in the park but are not resort guests are still allowed to be there. They just won't be allowed to get on rides. So don't let that discourage you if you're like, oh my god, I thought, you know, no one was gonna be here. No, they're probably gonna stick around for a couple hours, but they won't be able to actually get on any attractions. So that's one little thing to keep in mind. So moving right along, I have another general tip I can offer Cody, but do you have um, something you want to throw in? I don't want to talk too much over you.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Tip number two for surviving four parks in one day, get some space from the group. It's a lot about getting in touch with yourself because being at Disney with a group or even just your significant other, I know when I go with Andy, sometimes, even though I love her to death, you can have too much Andy on your hands. Oh my word. I don't think this is the first time you're hearing this, Andy. <laughs> so, uh, so whenever you're in a Disney gift shop or something, I feel like the best thing you can do for yourself and your sanity is to go on your own for a little bit. Explore the store just by yourself. Um, you know, give some space to yourself and the people you're with. Because uh, I know sometimes, even for Andy's sake, she can have too much Cody on her hands. Uh, so, she might need a break for me. So, Whenever you have those sort of moments where it's not uh, weird for you to go off, I'm not saying, like, if you guys are walking around the park, not just to go wander off by yourself and say goodbye to everyone, but if you're in a store where it's uh, appropriate for you... for separation. Yeah, it's okay to go off and explore on your own. You know, if you're in maybe a gift shop after a ride, so uh, an example would be at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean, obviously it ends in a gift shop. So go walk around, play with the swords by yourself, um, make faces at little kids, you know, <laughs> just just be by yourself. Um, if you're maybe in a bakery or a dessert shop, just go look at stuff that you wanna look at. Don't worry about staying with the people you're with because I can guarantee if you're trying to go to four parks in one day, you're gonna be with them for quite some time and you're gonna need all those precious moments that you can have by yourself. So I would say that's my second tip, and it's a big one.
0: Okay. Thank you for that, Cody. You're welcome, um, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um so the next kind of general tip that I'm gonna offer before we um get into our game plan later on in the podcast is one that I think is a big one too. Do not attempt this in summer. I would highly not recommend trying to do this um, in the summertime. I mean, you and I, Cody, we avoid the parks like the plague in June and July anyway. Just because, you know, living in Florida, we know how hot it gets. And being very frequent visitors to Walt Disney World, we know how crowded it gets. And I feel like trying to accomplish four parks in one day mixes... You know, being too crowded, in in the summer anyway, too crowded, too hot, it can really just become dangerous, I think. Yeah, but I will Um, say,
1: if you're the kind of person that loves standing still, uh, sweating a lot, being very uncomfortable, really try to go in June, July, because those (laughs) are really your months. You know, if you go in the wintertime, maybe February or September, you, you know, you'll... Be around less people, and that's probably not your scene. So really, hit it up during June and July.
0: Yeah, good tip, Cody. I really hope I hope everyone is seeing right through that sarcasm because we don't want any sort of heat stroke or uh, you know meltdown on our hands. But yeah, so if you're visiting in June or July, I mean, honestly, I would say even August is it just gets so sweltering hot and crowded. Um, I I mean. That's kind of a bummer if you are wanting to do this and that's the time that you're going to go. But I just don't think it's safe for your health or for your mental sanity. I would just recommend you, you know, bypass that and try again in a more pleasant time like December or January or March or something. Yeah. Um, and on the same note of talking about certain times of the year, um, special events will and or should affect your touring plan so if you're wanting to attempt four parks in one day like we said previously definitely make a plan and try your hardest to stick to it and when you're making that plan depending on what time of the year you go that plan might be affected and should be affected by the events that will be going on that time of the year so for example when we went like i said before when i went with my friend in december we wanted to end seeing the osborne lights so we we worked our way around that um and if you're going in the fall food and wine fest like you might want to allocate more time to spend in um epcot if you're wanting to include like aspects of the food and wine fest in your your plan for the day maybe not you know maybe if you're if you're an annual pass holder and you're going to come a different day of the year to experience the and wine fest you wouldn't have to worry about that as much but it, it is an option for someone that might be going for just one day um and you know flower and garden fest it's happening right now at epcot that's another one that i think that if you're coming pretty frequently you know maybe it's not that big of a deal but for someone like my friend who hasn't been in a while and you really want to take a trip with your friend and you're saying oh let's do four parks in one day If my friend had suggested that to me now, I would say, absolutely, I'm down for it. I know we can handle this, but we're going to spend a little bit extra time in Epcot on that day because I want you to see the Flower and Garden Festival. So those are just the types of things to look out for. Um, You definitely don't want to ignore special events because it actually might be the opposite to where you... Um, actually want to avoid them. So maybe you want to spend less time in a certain park because of a certain event. It's really just going to depend. So yeah, that's going to be another one of...
1: For those people who really hate flowers and or gardens, you really yes. would want to avoid the Flower and Garden Festival. A-
0: apparently they exist. I I wouldn't know.
1: Yeah. Or those people that hate food and or wine. You know, the Food and Wine Festival is not your, <laughs> <it's> not your <laughs> yeah, cup of tea. Yeah, that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and my last general tip that I think is kind of obvious, but I mean, there's gonna be someone out there who didn't think about this and I'm gonna say it for that person. Make sure that you have your tickets or passes, you know, whatever you're gonna be purchasing before attempting the challenge. Do not waste precious time and energy at a ticket counter or guest services the morning of that's just... That's amateur. It's exactly, That's amateur hour there. It is. It is. It is a waste of time and energy. And, so I, and I say
1: amateur hour because you will wait an hour uh, being an amateur in that line. <laughs> that line easily. is not I mean, yeah, that line is not short and it's just a waste of time.
0: Yeah. That was my kind of wrap up of my general tips and tricks. Um, now I think I'm going to get into explaining a pretty good plan yeah. of attack. A recommended game plan. Do you have any um, survival tips you want to add in before I get started talking about that? I have plenty more.
1: So I'm going to give you tip number three for surviving four parks in one day. So the third tip is comfortable shoes and Advil. So most of the time, the first thing to wear out on your body are your feet. And the best way to beat it are to wear your comfiest (laughs) pair of kicks. Me, I prefer my Asics running sneaks. Also Advil. It's your best friend. It can quell any pain that might be creeping into your feetsies. Also, depending on your group, you might wanna throw some headache pills into the mix. A headache is a killer and it can ruin a mood. And when people are already exhausted, a creeping headache can be the linchpin separating you and your trip from exploding into chaos. I know me, I'm such a grumpster. Whenever I'm getting a headache, it can be just the thing that separates a good day from a bad day so i say to you if you're listening do not worry about wearing your high heels to disney do not worry about wearing your wingtip wingtip shoes just bring your ugly sneakers andy always likes to make fun of me for being a dork for wearing running shoes but wear your running shoes uh, they were built it's for this. It's not the running shoes,
0: it's the old man tube socks that you pair with the running shoes. Hey. That's the kicker.
1: The whole point, Literally. The <laughs> whole point of tip number three for surviving the four parks is being comfortable. So I said, comfy shoes and make sure your brain is comfortable by bringing Advil, Tylenol, just whatever you need to make you just tranquil in paradise.
0: And those are, those are two little great tips just for any time you're gonna want to go into parks at disney world but are especially like triple important for this this type of challenge especially important
1: so you can get into that tip you're welcome now straight into your plan of attack andy let's hear it
0: all right so i think that we have outlined some really good strategies and tips for um, surviving, tips for having a successful time. Next, I'm going to kind of outline a, um, general yet detailed recommended game plan. And this is assuming that you are an annual pass holder or have a park hopper ticket. So that's obviously the only way that this is going to be possible to go to four parks in one day. All right. So, um, much like I did with my friend back in December, I would recommend starting at Animal Kingdom. Um, quick disclaimer, kind of how we touched on before, the different times of the year that you're going to go are going to affect a plan. So this is, you know, a good way to kind of, if you don't really know where to start in planning, I would recommend sticking with what we're going to talk about here. But, um, you know, extra magic hours are going to change every single day of the year at different times of the year, different parks. So... Just make sure you're doing all of the research before committing fully to a plan. So anyway, um, jumping back in, I recommend that you start at Animal Kingdom and you can knock out Everest easily four or five times before the line gets any higher than five minutes. Um, And that is assuming that you are getting there when the park opens. And that doesn't mean you're pulling into the parking lot right at 9 a.m. That means you have arrived at Animal Kingdom at 8.15, 8.20, maybe 8.30 you are parking, you have walked into the gates. Sometimes they will um, let you scan your magic bands and go into the park as far as the um, bridge onto Discovery Island, which is right at the base of the Tree of Life. That happened to us once or twice, I think. We were able to get that far in, and then we we just couldn't move any further until the park had officially opened. And then there have been other times where they do keep you on the outside of the turnstiles and you just form a very big crowd. Either way, you wanna be at the front of the pack so that you can jump on Everest once or twice before the pack catches up to you. This is real, it happens. So yeah, make sure you are allotting a solid 30 minutes before the park get opens and you are there. So that's what we mean by starting at Animal Kingdom. So start there, jump on Everest a few times, I think we're able to do it four times before Cody kind of wimps out and doesn't want to ride it anymore because he'll get sick. I don't think
1: but... I don't think I wimp out. I think my internal organs wimp out. So oh. they're they're ringing the bell. Uh, it's it's <laughs> time to move on to maybe some less intense rides like Primeval World.
0: <laughs> yes that is usually what we do Uh, after riding Everest a couple times we'll move on down the street over to Dinoland USA talked about that earlier kind of embarrassed to admit it but I do really enjoy primeval world in Dinoland so um, usually when we do Animal Kingdom in the morning it is for hitting our favorite rides now we have spent you know half a day or so in Animal Kingdom and that is well, even longer than half a day, but those are the di- the the visits when we actually hit up Nemo, the Nemo show, and the Lion King show. We'll do the safaris. We'll do, um, you know, the other. It's tough to be a bug, you know, whatever. We'll do those other things at those times. But on this type of day, I think that people are probably most going to be concerned with hitting their favorite attractions and rides and moving on. So that's what we're assuming when we are um, kind of setting up this plan. So yeah, Primeval Whirl would be a good one to knock out. That wait's probably going to be less than 10 minutes if you're there within the first hour that the park opens. And then another one I like to hit up is Dinosaur, which is right around the corner from Primeval Whirl. I love that ride. I think it's a really well done attraction that's just very fun and enjoyable so we always hit that one up Kilimanjaro Safari kind of mentioned that before I would maybe recommend doing it if it's like very very important to you if you get there early enough in the day the weights not going to be bad Um, you know I would recommend hopping on Kilimanjaro Safari if you are the type of person who is opposed to doing thrill rides like Everest, maybe that would be a good one to start off with instead of doing Everest a few times. Your mileage is really going to vary in this type of situation. So you just got to know yourself. Um, But that's the game plan that I would suggest first is starting at Animal Kingdom. And then from there, we recommend that you bus over to Hollywood Studios. And so this is where your planning is going to come into play. At this point, you should have already, you know, days before at least made fast pass reservations on the uh, My Magic Experience app or online. You can do the fast pass plus reservations, and we suggest that you make fast pass reservations for Rock and Roller Coaster or Toy Story. Um, to- what's it called? Toy Story Mania or Midway Mania. something like that? Yeah, Midway Mania, yeah. So, um Hollywood Studios, their Fast Pass system is a tiered system, so you're not able to pick all three of the top attractions. There are They are in different tiers, and so in that top tier, I think it's Rock and Roller Coaster and Toy Story are in the same little tier, <laughs> and most of the time, Toy Story is going to be gone, so you won't even have that option, but if it is there, it's really just going to be up to you which one would you rather have a Fast Pass for. They're going to be pretty equal lines. I will say... If you're able to get a Toy Story Fast Pass, I would recommend um, grabbing that one. Especially if you've done Rock and Roller Coaster before. I love Rock and Roller Coaster, but Rock and Roller Coaster does have a single rider line, so there is that chance that you would be able to, you know, breeze on through that even at peak hours of the day. So late morning and lunchtime, which is about the time that you would be arriving at Hollywood Studios, there is a the chance that you could breeze through that line breeze in quotation marks in maybe 20 or 30 minutes whereas Toy Story even if you jump into that line right when the park opens you could still wait in line for an hour I know that happened to us we were trying out something we hadn't tried before where we were gonna run straight to Toy Story as soon as Hollywood Studios opened we typically don't go to Hollywood Studios first um, but we went there that day and we got in line right when the park opened and then we got out of line we we went on the attraction we got off an hour later and i was like wow we really waited in line an hour and it's the first you know 20 minutes that the park has been open so that was pretty crazy um so yeah get a fast pass for rock and roller coaster or toy story and then definitely get tower of terror if that's your type of thing star tours great movie ride those are all good uses of fast pass and so make those reservations before you get into the park that day so that by the time you get here, late morning, around lunchtime, to Hollywood Studios, you're able to take advantage of those fast passes at a time when the crowds are going to be picking up. Um, and again, ta- you know, depending on what time of year you go will depend on the weather. So if it's maybe early fall or late spring, The heat is going to be picking up as well. I mean, it is Florida. So this is also a good time to take in a show. Um, We obviously, you know, one of the most obvious ones to do is Indiana Jones. That would be a good time to sit down and kind of knock that off your list. Yeah, but also
1: Frozen. Frozen I was just
0: about to say. Yeah,
1: Frozen, I was quite surprised because, you know, we had been to the... We had been to Disney Hollywood Studios... When they had the frozen sing along, and we had never gone. I mean, we'd liked the movie, we just never actually, you know, took the time to go into the theater and actually watch it because we just thought it was, you know, a sing along, not very, you know, interesting more for the kids. But it was very intense. You know, they had swirling fractals all around. It was, you know, it was really impressive.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So, you could always do both Indiana Jones and the Frozen Sing Along show, but um, if you just wanted to pick one, I think we would recommend both of those, and especially the Frozen Sing Along if it's particularly hot outside and if you don't mind Frozen. Um, like Cody said, we enjoyed the movie, and so finally we're like, I mean, let's just do it. We've never done it before. So, we did go into the theater and watch the Frozen Sing Along. It is very cute. The narrators are very funny, and they did throw in some, you know, adult jokes that only the adults are going to get, so that was nice. Um, And then we won't, you know, give anything away in case you want to do it, but the ending finale when they sing Let It Go is very, very well done. We were very impressed, and so I would do it again, and I think it would be fun for really anyone who doesn't mind some Frozen singing, so... So moving on from um, an afternoon at Hollywood Studios, I would then recommend that you bebop on over to Epcot next. That's, uh, you know, a pretty obvious choice since Epcot and Hollywood Studios are neighbors. They're right next to each other. You have the option of taking a bus or a boat or walking to Epcot. I do not recommend walking. There are a lot of people out there who, I don't really understand this, but they say that... It's only like a quick 10-minute walk or 15-minute walk from Hollywood Studios over to Epcot and vice versa, rather than, you know, waiting around for the ferry, the little ferry boat that can go across and take you that way. I don't agree with that. I think, yes, the boat ride can take a while. It can take as long as 25, sometimes even 30 minutes, but I almost... I don't think that someone would be able to walk in between those two parks in much less time than that, unless they're like speed walking. Um, It is a pretty long, you know, little pathway between the two parks. Not to mention, it's not scenic at all until you actually get to the boardwalk. So, why would you waste your energy and, you know, kind of make your feet and your legs more tired? by taking that walk when you can just as easily just sit on a boat. I mean, the ferry ride in between can be frustrating if you're like very impatient and wanting to move to your next destination. But at the same time, I always seem to kind of enjoy it because it's relaxing and the, you know, the wind is blowing. So I would recommend grab a bus if you can, but the boat is just as, just as good to get on over to Epcot.
1: Yeah, I would recommend out of the three, I would say the bus is probably the preferred choice in my opinion just because uh walking like Andy said can take forever and the boat ride while it you know it's moving faster than the a- average person walks it still has to stop along the way i think at least 3 times to hit those uh yeah. few resorts by the boardwalk so if you hit the bus all you have to do is get on the bus and you make one stop and unless there's unless it's at like peak time when everyone's leaving or going like rush hour you can it's your fastest option yeah
0: so um once you get to epcot this is a good time to jump on spaceship earth um It depends on what time you're getting there but just in case there's a there is a fast pass kiosk right up there in um, future world i don't remember which section exactly but i would definitely head to that fast pass kiosk and see what is there that you can utilize Spaceship Earth is a funny little thing where sometimes it's a 5 or 10 minute wait and we just stand there and do it and it's not a big deal. And then there are other times when certain times of the day or even the same time of day but just on a different day, the wait can be 40 minutes. And so that's just like crazy to me. So if it's one of those days where Spaceship Earth is at a really high wait, it's definitely worth it to go see if there's a fast pass for it. Um And especially, you know, if you want to see if you can grab, like, a uh, Test Track Fastpass or a Soren Fastpass or, you know, anything else that you might want to do in Epcot. Most likely, all of the good ones are going to be gone. Like, the only thing, if there's any left at all, they'll be for much later in the evening when you're probably not even going to be there. But it doesn't hurt to try in case you can pick up one that you're going to be able to use. So that's what you should do when you get to Epcot first. After that, you can do spaceship berth, possibly you can try to do single rider on test track. Um, Most likely if you don't have a fast pass for test track at this point in the evening, the line will be up in the higher you know, wait time range. And so I don't recommend standing in line for test track. Um, Definitely try and do single rider, unless your luck is like mine when I went in December with my friend and the ride is shut down completely. but, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. And so try for that. Um, depending on, you know, how late it's getting in the evening, you might want to grab dinner and drinks in the World Showcase at one of the restaurants there. That's, you know, like I said before, my friend and I um, got into Epcot right when the sun was setting. So walking around, the weather was really nice. And there was the breeze over the, uh, you know, little water lake. I don't even know what that's called in Epcot. I've yeah. never... Does that the, body the, of water have a name?
1: The water lake. Is there a lake? <laughs> unless, unless you're talking about the lake of fire, I don't know what kind of <laughs> lake you'd be talking about without water there, baby.
0: <laughs> I, just, I was trying to think if that body of water in Epcot has a name, and I don't think that it does. I think it's just the little pond that's there. But in any case, it's a nice, pleasant um, little evening time to maybe take it slower, take a quick... Uh, Roundabout the World Showcase, but you know, also leisurely and just really enjoy uh, an evening in Epcot for a couple hours, um, or you know, even for one hour if if you're only going to be there that long. But the most important thing to accomplish once you're at Epcot, and I think Cody will back me up on this, you must, you must, you must stop in to the most exclusive club Walt Disney World has to offer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Club Cool, the best place to be. I love Club Cool. Yeah, it's, and pretty, it's
1: pretty exclusive. They have, like, ropes outside, and if you don't know the password, you can't get in. I've been turned away countless times, very aggressively.
0: Yeah, no, I love Club Cool, and I don't care what time of the year it is, what time of day it is. I will stop into Club Cool. I will get some Bebo. I will get some of my other favorites. Can't remember their names, but i just love club cool it's my favorite place to be and if you don't know
1: club cool is a coca-cola beverage bar um
0: yeah we talked about it earlier
1: yeah possibly like maybe what uh the coke store at disney uh, springs is going to be like but they have a bunch of different uh beverages by coca-cola that you can sample that are from all over the world so it's a really nice place to get a refreshing beverage and treat yourself.
0: Shot of caffeine. Yeah, a shot of
1: caffeine, which brings me to my fourth tip for surviving four parks in one day. This is my fourth and oh. final tip, and that is treat yourself. So, <laughs> this is one of my personal habits. Um, sometimes I will actually forget that the trip is also for my enjoyment. And I just want to make sure Andy has fun, and you know, uh, and after a day of trekking the parks, that sentiment uh, can kind of be wearing thin. Um, So every now and then, I highly recommend doing something for yourself that will make you smile. So uh, whether it's waiting in line for your favorite character, um, for example, uh, when we were Animal Kingdom, I think we had already been to a bunch of parks that day, one of my favorite characters that I had never gotten a picture with or experienced. And (laughs) I love the movie is Doug and Russell from, uh, up. Up. Yeah. So (laughs) I lit up and I was so excited and I made us stand in line to meet a character, something that I never thought I would do, but it just really, um, you know, if I had been tired or whatever, it just took all that away because I was in heaven. Um, something else that really does it for me is maybe grabbing a cold beer from the Germany, um, pavilion at the World Showcase in Epcot. Um, you know, it's stuff that I try not to spend a lot of money in the parks, I try to save as much as possible, but sometimes just spending a little money can make, you know, really make it a different experience if you're maybe starting to wear thin, if you're just, uh, you know, falling down to your knees from exhaustion. you know, so you got to look out for number one, you know, if you start to get tired or start to get cranky, it can really uh, just ruin the whole day. So making sure that you do stuff throughout the day um, that just makes your day special. I think that would be my last tip and it's, uh, it's crucial. If you don't do stuff to make yourself happy, what's the trick about it anyway, you know?
0: Yeah, good point. Um, And I actually think that's kind of a nice little segue into the last section of the day. You know, once you've completed what you wanna complete at Epcot, at that point, it's a good idea to take the monorail on over to Magic Kingdom. And even just like, you know, thinking about this plan of attack when we were preparing for the episode, I just started kind of getting very excited. Like, we're not going to Disney World anytime soon. And we've been there so many times. And yet, thinking about spending the night, you know, the late evening and the nighttime in Magic Kingdom, that's the thing that is, you know, I like to do for myself. That's what puts me in my happy place. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so, yeah, monorail to Magic Kingdom. And depending on how, you know, late it is, I know for my friend and I, late was really like seven to nine o'clock at night because we did have to drive three hours back home and we still had to get dinner and everything after we saw the Osborne lights. So that timeline was obviously very different than someone who might be staying on property or staying in Orlando. You're able to be there much later and I highly recommend that you do. Um, So depending on how late it is, it's going to depend what you can do first. But as long as you're ending the, you know, late evening, probably around seven or eight o'clock, I would say eight o'clock, is a good time to go to Magic Kingdom then you can make sure that you definitely see um, celebrate the magic which is the projection pre-show onto the castle before wishes the fireworks comes on Um, usually wishes will happen at like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. those are generally the times that they happen and so celebrate the magic will happen 30 minutes before that So those are just really great things to accomplish that you definitely want to knock out when you're there ending the night at Magic Kingdom. Um, Hopefully you're there long enough to close down the park. That was one of my favorite experiences that we had this past year. Um, Just being in Magic Kingdom, late enough to where the park has closed down. It's like an hour past closing where you're no longer able to get on any attractions because the park is closed, but you can kind of stick around and take very, very cool photos of the park when it's empty or very close to being empty. Um, and then I think it's either an hour or 30 minutes after the park closes, they do the Kiss Goodnight, which a lot of people don't know about. But if you're doing four parks in one day, you got to end your night watching the Kiska night because it's just so magical. Um, so yeah, the Kiska night is basically just this really cute little message that comes over the speakers on Main Street and in the hub area. And it's Jiminy Cricket just saying cute little Jiminy Cricket things. I don't exactly remember what he says. And then they play a song and the castle sparkles up and it's just one of, you know, another little touch that isn't exactly advertised or, you know, you're not supposed to wait around to watch for it, but when you catch it, it's like, oh, that was just, that was very cute, and I loved it. So those are three things you can definitely do when you end your night at Magic Kingdom is celebrate the magic, wishes, and watching the kiss goodnight. And, of course, in addition to all of that, um, you can see if there's any fast passes available when you first get there, if you have time. you know, If you kind of get there later and you're rushing to get a good spot for wishes, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you get there with enough time to check out and see if there's any good fast passes available, you might want to use those because even when it's late at night and close to park closing, a lot of the major rides are still going to have very long wait times like obviously mine train and space mountain, that type of thing. So if you're able to snag a random fast pass that is still there, definitely take advantage of that. In any case, You want to do Haunted Mansion, because Haunted Mansion at night is a cool experience. Um, Highly recommend if you're able to um, to do Big Thunder Mountain at night and Mind Train. Well, I don't say and Mind Train to mean that you definitely should do it in addition to other things. That's kind of like the outlier right now, where the wait times are just so ridiculously long that if you don't have a fast pass, I don't really recommend waiting in line for it. But if you do have a fast pass, doing mine train at night is super cool any of the um rides that are outside to do them at night especially if they are like you know the roller coaster rides i love doing that because the nighttime views that you get of the park and especially the castle is one of my favorite things to do at night to kind of catch those little moments so these are all things that i was thinking of that are very specific to magic kingdom at night that you definitely want to do um Because the nighttime ambiance of Magic Kingdom and just the various lands, even if you're not, you know, you're just kind of tired from the day, I mean, you should definitely be taking advantage of riding the attractions and the rides, but just walking around, I think you and I, Cody, have always had a nice time, um, you know, in Frontierland at night and Tomorrowland has kind of an energy at night, so those are all definitely really special and I think one of your favorite things to do in Magic Kingdom is to grab a snack. You definitely need a late, late night snack in Magic Kingdom. I've never, I have never
1: snacked one day in my life. That, never. Oh. that is because I save all my snacking for nighttime. You are exactly right. If you can get yourself a uh, Mickey-shaped ice cream sandwich uh, with their cookies and cream in the inside, oh my God, it's delicious. Or you can go to Adventureland and get an actual. Uh ice cream sandwich sandwiched between two warm chocolate chip cookies. Uh so if I'm a very big snacker, um you can tell if you look at my waistline.
0: Uh oh my gosh. But
1: <laughs> uh but you know, it's just something you gotta do when you're at Disney. Like I said in my fourth tip for surviving, treat yeah. yourself and when it gets to the nighttime, uh y- you're already gone, so just doing anything you can to save yourself from losing it. And I do that through cookies and cream, ice cream sandwich bars, um dole whips, you know, you got two hands, so I I say get two snacks.
0: Well, I, I think that's definitely a good little tidbit. Um and I just really think there's no way to beat that, you know. You you have a successful day in, in all four parks, and by ending it with your favorite snack at one of you know our favorite parks in Walt Disney World, you know the Magic Kingdom. Oh gosh, it's like the quintessential you know Disney experience. Like it just doesn't. Even if you are dead tired, which you will be, depending on you know how long your day is, it could potentially be 12 or 15 hours long that moment when you're watching wishes and you've got the snack or your significant other, or, you know, your best friend, like I had in December watching the Osborne lights. It's just, oh, it's just, I, I'm speechless. I'm getting so emotional. I can't even talk about it because it's just really great. And that's all I can say about that. That's really all I can say. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's definitely a good way to kind of round out our discussion on our tips and tricks for tackling poor parks in one day
1: and surviving four parks in one day so all right friends that concludes episode number four our tips for conquering four parks in one day if you want to hear more of us talk about snacks food and tips and tricks stay tuned for episode number five and until then please check us out on instagram at carousel of podcast and feel free to email us at the carousel of podcast at gmail.com with any feedback questions or suggestions and be sure to subscribe to us on instagram share us with to your friends your enemies we don't care we'll talk to we'll talk about disney to anyone so thanks for listening it's been a real treat